Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, grab your axes, fulfill your duty and honor, and let's get to hacking. <laughs> I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. The <laughs> green as fucking green night. night. Oh, yeah, you didn't even say the fucking... Good job, Mitch. Good job, yeah, Mitch. Yeah, I was like, we're missing Wait, something. We're missing something. You gotta do that over again. Oh. Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, grab your axes, fulfill your duty, defend your honor, and let's get to hacking as we explore the Green Knight. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. <laughs> nice second intro we Mitch. gotta keep that first intro in for dramatic effect. Uh, right yeah i feel like we've done this a few times now which is pretty funny it's all on you baby kind of reveals a little more about what we're doing you know it's not perfect every time what are we doing <laughs> well we're talking about a recent film. we're talking about ah. the green knight segway talking about the green knight we're talking about how good a24 has been about selecting their films Ooh, they're on. They're they're, they're just like choosing the best films to release and distribute, and they're just like starting to funnel money into it now that they've made a whole bunch, and this happened to be one of them. <laughs> it was one of those movies that was talked about a lot before it was made. Yeah, and uh, oh my god, their marketing team yeah. is like brilliant. Like they they really got people excited for it, and somehow got it onto like every single platform you can think of. You know, I actually didn't see any advertisements for Green Knight. I didn't even know it was coming out until it did. So oh, I guess it just wasn't targeted towards my audience. Man, I was targeted hard is. for this movie. I mean, you're a big ass nerd, so sure. like, makes sense. Fair, same. <laughs> I mean, I'm a nerd, but in my own respects. They, they're in their advertising. They definitely pitched this as some sort of Game of Thronesy yeah. sort of thing. They didn't lie sure. though. They didn't tell you it was going to be like an action film. Like, I feel like when they were showing you, it was definitely meant to be more about the story and sort of like the origin of where it came from. The visuals. So like, yeah. So so just before we really get into it, it's written and directed and edited by David Lowry. We know him from making the movie A Ghost Story, which came out in 2017. And so that was sort of like one of his uh, debut films. And since then, he's been making nothing but horror films <laughs> and nice. has, has really been hitting out of the park with most of these. Um, and then this one, he wanted to make a, a fantasy film that he'd wanted to make for a while. And so they approached him and asked if he wanted to do a story off of one of the old Arthurian legends, which is Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Yeah, which is a 2,537 old. line poem. It's old. And they don't even know who wrote it. <laughs> yeah, that's the crazy I think bit. I think it was specifically signed anonymous. Like, the person who wrote it didn't want to be, like, credited. Yeah, At least it, from my understanding for it. It's, it's definitely part of that romantic period yes. of the Middle Ages. Very, uh, very Celtic. Um, at least as far as... Because that's, like, you know, just like, Sir Art... Like, like King Arthur and the Knights Around Table, it's all very Celtic myth sort of stuff. I do like the uh, like conspiracy theory that King Arthur, in the same way that Shakespeare, was not one single person, but was possibly a collection of people. Ooh. King Arthur is essentially their pen name. Yeah, either their pen name or like somebody they wanted people to sort of idolize. Like an this was the best of, of all of them. Or it could be an alien. I feel like an, not alien, an alias. Oh, I hired alien. I was like, yes, King Arthur's an alien. Let's but go. But also in this case, kind of being like an entity. Yeah, exactly. 
like her of a, a culmination of what they always wanted to be like this this is the best night like this is the, what they uh, want yeah we're, so yeah we're salsa verde <laughs> <laughs> not i am so know. it stars deb patel who we know from slumdog millionaire that was his debut film such a good job he was in chappie and he was in a few episodes of skins wait he's in chappie that's the main dude in Chappie. Oh my oh. god! He's so young. Yeah, he's the he's the uh, tech genius who brings them all to life. Oh, I love this even more now. Yeah, and so it's because he had all the facial hair. He grew yeah. out his beard and mustache, which is actually his own facial hair. <laughs> I know for a fact that the director chose Dave Patel specifically because he had a thought. Man, Dave Patel's sick. How would it look if he was on a horse and had like a sword at his side? He's like, yeah, I want that guy. He also didn't want to have like your typical uh, white European in the like old Arthurian story. And he's like, I want to subvert this and make people think about it. And so he chose Deb Patel. And then he, he kind of included the small tidbit that his uh, mom was accused of witchcraft. And she sort of does commit a little bit of witchcraft sorcery. A little bit. A <laughs> she, she straight up summons Bruh, the Green Knight in this. There's a whole ass ceremony <laughs> in their temple. Are you kidding me? It's true. She's a witch. It's But great. I think she had good intentions. They just didn't quite. Yeah. She was go waiting her for the way. right day for her son. I mean, right. I mean, yeah. A big focus of this film, or, or even like this story, is like that respect for nature sort of thing. Like accepting oh, yeah. nature and the one. outcome of, you know, the outcome events as they should be sort of idea which is something you'll find in like your they had a really good casting for this everybody they chose for their roles is really good and then like this also has um ralph innocent we know him from the witch he's the dad in the witch oh yeah and so he has a really distinct like yorkshire accent which is really sought after in voice acting so he's done a lot of voice acting and he's a really deep voice <laughs> all they really had to do is put um a lot of like makeup on him but he's already that big <laughs> yeah he's a tall he's a tall dude so being able to put all that stuff on him and then he got to play the green knight so it wasn't really like a, a cgi thing they actually put like all the stuff you can on see him. his face in there yeah they like they basically like coated on all the stuff it's uh distributed by a24 which is probably the most talked about distribution uh, place on our podcast <laughs> we've talked about maybe like nine or ten different films from we 24 like their movies. we obviously like their movies <laughs> and their style that they're choosing um it was filmed in ireland um at Admore studios and kahir castle so a real castle this was not built this was something that Ooh. was existing and they just kind of took over for a bit where did you say it was shot in ireland yeah, I know there's a lot of abandoned castles yep. in Ireland because every family back in the day had to have their own fucking yep, castle. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, oh. I'm pretty sure it belonged to a family and they were like, you want to shoot a movie in it? Fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> go ahead and shoot the movie. Like, we don't use this castle. I think, I think uh, when we watched the movie, because I watched it with a group, I was like, damn, that almost made Ireland look livable. Oh <laughs> my God. I'm fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Oh, my God. Jeez. That's fucking great. I love that. <laughs> we love Mark David Chapman taking out the second wave of the British um, army. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, that's fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> I think what was interesting about it, though, was that this was supposed to be released a year ago. This was supposed to be released in 2020, uh, May of 2020, which is exactly when the pandemic hit. And they were like, we got to delay it. Like, we can't release it. And what happened is in those months that followed, uh, Lowry took a look at it again and didn't like the cut. He was like ready to go, like ready to release it and was like, actually, I don't like this cut. And then went and recut the film. And what we saw is the recutting. And apparently it had been much longer, like like almost a three hour movie. And oh. he was like, I do not like all this extra stuff and cut it short. 
and then he ended up creating what we now see as the as the Green Knight. I think that was a better call. Yeah, it's a good call because he. I think it was while it is a little bit slow, it's really concise on what it's trying to tell you. I think it, it's probably a better cut. Yeah. Although I love seeing long shit, so like I would wanted to see his full like director's cut. I hope he does like a release where he shows like a different cut or like yeah, we get a longer Lord version. Of the Rings extended. Yeah, exactly. Like four Knight. hours long. Um, it was a budget of fifteen million. Uh, it only made seventeen point seven million, so barely made its money back. Um, and it's like it's really polarized people. Some people love this movie, and other people are like, "This is terrible, the worst movie I've ever seen." Oh man, the audience <laughs> reactions, and we all went to go see it. Well, we didn't all go together, but I think we all saw it on the theaters. Right. Tell, tell them about the guy that walked out. Tell him. Uh. Oh, so at the end of the film, when we were getting up, this guy was like, "I'm never watching a film again," because <laughs> he fucking hated it. He hated. It. He even said like, "What the fuck?" Like at the end of it, because I mean, he was just I so heard confused. That from him throughout the movie, he was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" He chose the wrong movie. Like this is not yeah. a movie for that guy. I I try. <laughs> you know, I I had I had my own fair quarrel. I guess you could say. Uh. My friend was like. Yo, dude, I just watched Black Widow. Shit was way better than The Green Knight. Whoa. I was like, oh. Whoa, The Black Widow is entertaining, but I don't think it's better yeah, than The Green Knight. I was completely different like, ball Also, yeah, like, this I was is like, not comparable. Because well, he's like, I just saw some recent movies. I got to say, Black Widow was way more enjoyable and a better movie than fucking The Green Knight. And I was like, Green Knight sucked. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to try to school this guy. But he, he was in the military, so I don't think I could get anything through him. Oh, no, yeah, <laughs> that's not happening. Thick skull, the yeah. meathead. So, obviously, your expectations have to be sort of set. Or just have none when you go into it. Yeah, I mean, if all you're expecting are cheesy one-liners and explosions, this is not the movie for you. And big medieval fight scenes. Yeah, yeah you're not gonna get exactly. that either. two armies clashing in the in the battlefields. Fu- I'm gonna fucking spoil it. There's no dragon in this movie. <laughs> I was kind of pissed about that. I <laughs> love dragon. good dragon. Are giants. That which part is was wild. Cool. It's very cool. And a talking fox. In a talking box. That's true. I really um, like that they had the giants in here because I feel like that's something that's really prevalent in medieval lore. But like, yes. as of lately, has not really been represented in movies. Nope. Maybe like Lord of the Rings a little bit with the walking trees, but like that's <laughs> something kind of different. But like giants was very much a popular thing in their mythology at the time. The way they I mean, did all it all over too. the area, not even in, you know, Europe, but yeah. other southern parts like in the Greece, you have stories of giants. Or that mountain is a giant. Yeah, or right? the mountain is a giant or they were the, titans. the giants. At yeah, all or the they're titans. sleeping inside the mountain. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it is a it is a new modern portrayal of giants. Because yeah. you've seen giants in Attack on Titan. They're like yeah. these were kind of just like I don't know how to they describe just, them. They were just uh, they were they were really what's people. the word? Um, they were like in a caravan, like they were going somewhere. Right. They're just yeah. traveling. But like their features, their appearance wasn't as like terrifying and ogre like. Also that, yeah, and they what were seeing a lot of representations. Um, like even though Attack on Titan has more humanistic features, there's still some things that are distorted to make them kind of scary. But in this case, the giants just looked like people. They're looking. just really big. <laughs> big stone people. Yeah. Walking that way. They look like 3D models, if you will. I think a lot of this comes the CGI from the, on it was really fucking good. Uh, the stories of the Nephilim, which was Ooh, really popular yeah. back then, which is basically when angels came down and they're like, dang, these humans are kind of fine and started making <laughs> babies with them. The babies then grew into be these gi- giants that we call the Nephilim. Yeah. And that was something that was really common in some of those older stories. Yeah, man, they're using the Stargates. 
Man, we talk about this. That's a whole other story. We talk about this on Starship Troopers, man. So, to to bring us back a little bit before we completely segue into fifteen other films. True. True. Um, what one of the one of the questions we have on our outline here, um, and it's something I've seen from a lot of the audience complaints is, what the fuck did I just watch? What the hell is this about? I can never show this to my friends. <laughs> what is it actually friends. about? What yeah. is it actually about? And this is I one of the highly debated topics. Yeah, and I would I would say that this is literally just about King Arthur's nephew proving him like proving himself to them and his mother mother Morgan Le Fay uh, that he is worthy of being part of like he's worthy of being a knight essentially that he exhibits those characteristics and he's tested during different points of his journey yeah. as well. I think I think it is I agree. I think it is partly that. I think it's his journey into knighthood, into manhood. It's like a coming of age story because he gets tested like as he's going through his journey and like what is he going to do and you sort of have like these these morals, these rules that you kind of have to follow as you as a knight, especially if you're going to be in King Arthur's court. And so while I really liked the portrayal of King Arthur too, who is like he was really gentle. Like he was older. He was obviously like not fighting as much anymore. And he legitimately is like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't pay attention to you. Like, I want to know like one of your stories. That shit was wholesome. Yeah. You get a really like <laughs> genuine wholesome moment. And then you have a really good actor in Deb Patel who tells you a lot of things without saying it. He has yeah. really good face acting and really good body emotion as he's acting through all of the feelings that he's going through. There was the one thing too, in that conversation is when he asked him for stories, he said he didn't really have any. Yeah. And then, you know, here's this opportunity where he will have some stories to tell. But I think another running theme in this movie is that your actions have very particular consequences, whether they're uh, good or bad is kind of irrelevant. It's uh, all cause and effect sort of things. And, you know, how the movie ends is sort of the effect of his decision in the beginning to sort of be seeking this sort of bravado from his comrades, you know, and behead this... um, thing i don't know what you would call it the 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 green knight uh the green knight is i would say like a representation of nature yeah in itself and like the green man has been a thing that you've that right through a lot of different you yeah, know mythologies the green man like is uh, noted to be like a deity of sorts yeah so i guess you could say that this green knight is also a deity but he gives them the option Basically, whatever he does will be returned to him, which is already like, you know, causing yeah. effect. And he chooses to cut off his head when he could have just given him a little tap, you know. And right. so in the end, he gets his own head cut off because that was the cause of his actions. And he's led on this whole crazy story that ultimately Ooh. leads to him dying because well, I of would, his choices. I would argue that he did not die. I mean, you could because say they that. don't actually show it, but it it's is open. It's open. It is open. It's to open interpretation. for interpretation. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I thought it. I thought he got his head cut off yeah me too i don't i don't think so but either after watching like some clips from fucking youtubers because you know we have to explore every little aspect of this film right. on the internet duh well uh, well i think okay I, my so mind's changed i think we should circle back to it i think one, we should one thing I, all right so before before we get to our intense heated debate on whether or not Gwen dies or not at the end yeah. of this movie I would like to go over the code of chivalry for knights first. Yeah, that's yeah, very represent. This is what they follow. Yeah, like they it, made these. <laughs> yeah, so faith is one of them. Yeah, which our boy Gwen here is pretty pretty faithful in God and whatnot. So. Hell no. 
No. The guy well, said he went to church for 10 hours and he went to the fucking bar. Well, then excuse me <laughs> for misinterpreting that. Well, this is sort of the point, though, right? Yeah, exactly. He, he gets tested on whether right. or not he's going to follow the morals of knighthood. <laughs> so, yeah. so, no, he doesn't. So, I'm he's, wrong. I yeah. get it, Mer. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I love hey, you. Uh, um. <laughs> have you checked out the Mind Goblin yet? The Mind Goblin? Mind Goblin leaves nuts oh in your mouth? God. All right, continue. Oh, my God. Oh, I got hate you. Two episodes Man. in a row. So much. Get out anyway, of here. so I'm going to continue with the code of chivalry here. This is great. So we've got faith, like I already said, charity, justice, uh, sagacity, prudence, temperance, resolution, and truth. Ooh, you know what? We should keep this in mind when we're talking about the events that happen. Because it's a very real possibility he got tested on all of these. Yeah. Uh, on his journey. And then at the very end, you get sort of the determining factor. Did he, in fact, get into the point where he can be a knight or did he not? And I mean, so that's interesting. I hadn't considered that he was being put to the test specifically for these morals. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean if, if, <laughs> if the original story, he does not die at the end of it. Right. Yeah. He, he it's like a joke he's like ah it's okay and he yeah. like stands him up and gives him a hug basically he's like good job you did it yeah. you proved yourself you, you proved this was it. a game yeah the beheading game yeah yeah but he has left the scar at the end of the of the yeah. uh original poem right just like it gets a be, memory like to be to show everyone that yes he did in fact cheat at the game and right. that you should be honorable always yeah and like not a living lie. proof of it yeah um it's a story about telling telling little kids to tell the fucking truth Basically, yeah. So we were already getting at the idea that, of course, it's all—it's mostly about his journey, which you hear the cliche, you know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. So you're going through. <laughs> so it's like this is one of those moments yeah. where you get that, where you actually are going to see him go through quite a lot of things. And so you have themes that sort of run through it. We've mentioned one already, which is his uh, knighthood and his sort of coming of age. There's also this idea about the nature that he's in. So the green and uh, the forest and everything that you see throughout the film is like really prevalent. This is like what he goes into and it takes over most of the land. Uh, and they even have that, the scene where he's laying there. I was going to say this makes me think of a later scene where he finds the castle on his way to see the green man. Right. And he encounters this strange family living in the castle. <laughs> and I think it was the wife of the king there. She is giving this monologue where she's basically saying that green is one of the most powerful things because it can overcome anything and in the end it'll only be green you know when life is gone it's overtaken by green like you see in the forest where he sees his dead body in front of him and it's been grassed over with moss and everything else that comes in the forest yep we all we all will die and get buried and get returned back to the earth and that was the main point was that the death will come for everyone basically yeah yeah, yeah that yeah that that idea and i think it's also like how it's shot is definitely him like i think a lot of shots are him just like internally thinking oh, about so good the situation so like when it pans yeah. all the way around to there's his a corpse full and 360 pan of the area that takes you through time and the possibility of what would happen if he never got untied and yeah. died there in that spot i timed some of these shots Huh? I timed some of these shots. How how long were they? They're like fifteen to twenty seconds. Really? Some of them are thirty. Oh. But here's the thing: to complain that they're long, yeah, seems pretty dumb. I think uh, I they think, get the point yeah. across. They do get the point across. I think what happened was uh, either expectations were not set by the audience who like came in to see it, but also people are just not used to this. 
like as far as filmmaking goes they're they want very much to have the instant gratification and to have action like action films in a night that inc- in a story that includes nights would you say that this is more of an artsy film uh honestly no i don't think this is like landing into the category of like ah this is an art house film this is like this really goes back to what the story was sort of about like you when you heard people talking to you about what a king arthur story was it was this you had like a, a an interesting story being told by like a master storyteller and so you then get brought into the world which they do right at the beginning like you you're brought into this world and that's it there's nothing else outside of it you don't see giant cities you don't see right. huge armies. You see King Arthur's court and then just the Sir Gawain when he's taking his trip. And so this brings you into the story. Well, the the setting itself and the set design, I never felt like I was out of it. Yeah. Like it's very well, all the way through. well made. And the cinematography complements it a lot. There's a lot of great oh, shots in here, especially going through the journey. And like there's, so, there's like, you know, there's the hero's journey as we say. They go through all this shit, but they're... There were very good connections for all the cinematography re- right. like points. There's a reason why they're doing that long shot. Uh, it's interesting, though, because like uh, going through all of it, he technically really wasn't that good of a knight. <laughs> not not at first. Not at first. I mean, he kind of fails a few temp- of those tasks. Yeah, temperance is one of the codes, and he's a giant drunk. You know, because he spends a whole year before his journey just getting drunk and yeah. s- sleeping around and whatnot. And, you know, Murs made me reconsider all of this. But <laughs> speaking back to the long shots and everything, too, yeah. it, the, what this cinematography does in this movie, especially with your CGI elements and everything else like that, is it captures that mysticism yes. that comes with these Arthurian legends and stuff. So they're all kind of weird and like like just they're they're fantastical yeah. in their well, own. they're meant to be like pretty surreal, like you end up getting a lot of moments where they've abandoned sort of like uh you, they make you uh what is it suspend your disbelief in a way that you are doing it so that you can experience what he's experiencing, so you're getting what's in his mind, all the emotions he's feeling, and then it translates directly into something visual, so then you get to see the color palettes that change like from him being in the water, like it turns like red like while he's mm. under there. And so you then have a completely different shift on what he's looking for. And he comes up and he's holding the skull. Speaking of our code, of our, <laughs> of our knight's code yeah. anyway. So if we look at charity, him throwing the coin to the beggar on the old battlefield. It's one of the first ones. Technically, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's him displaying charity during he the... Was, uh, he wasn't going to give anything to him in the first place, true. though. True. That was... Uh, so, that's what I was going to oh, bring up. But he, oh. does, but he does do it. Eventually. Well, does, yeah. My the, dire- the, the point is, he does it. My directions are only worth a thanks. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's yeah. why, they, that's why he so got jumped. so he's like, oh, okay. And then, and then that's when he reveals that he has a giant bag of gold, so the dude gets fucking mugged. Uh, and then it kind of progresses his story. But yeah, that's true. It's it's a hard one because you have like a circumstance where he he gets presented with how he's supposed to be acting, and then he has like his response. Even with uh, <laughs> the woman who needs her skull retrieved, he's like, "Well, what's in it for me?" And she's like, "Why would you ask that?" <laughs> like that's like a response to it. Um, it's also cool to see the that actor. She she's been in a few things now, um, including like um, she was in the the uh, what is it Captain America the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. She was in that one, so it was cool to see her getting more roles. 
Yeah, she's like a shield agent, isn't she? Uh, she's so. she's like technically the bad guy in that. Oh, okay, but, yeah, 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 but more like right, the people right. who just took the the super soldier serum and they end up fighting back against the government. So it's like a whole different thing. But it was cool to see her in that story because then you had him like kind of questioning it, and uh, he then gets put through the paces by losing everything and <laughs> having to lug that axe around, which is also a cool mythical item. Like yeah. it like grows things around it. Like when he opens the box, it's like moss has grown mm-hmm. on the inside of it. That was something I know it's going to sound really cheesy, but I feel like that sort of symbolizes the duality of nature <laughs> yeah. and how we were talking before about how green kind of overcomes death in the end. It's sort of the Ooh. same thing is that there's a death and life growth is part of nature. I thought you were so, going to say the duality of me. Well, I mean, you could apply it to that too, but you know, you have this axe, which is typically a symbol of death or destruction, mm. whether it's destruction of someone's life or you're cutting down timber, you know, you're destroying a part of it to create something new. And then from the axe, you have these little green growies that are happening, little flowers and grass that are forming in the case that it's in. So you have life and death embodied in one. Yeah, he's carrying death on his shoulders as well as life. Yeah. Ooh. And, um, and there also is his options. You know, he could be facing life or death at the end of his journey. Uh, that would work, though, for the story because the the knight ends up not being um, like he's not specifically out to kill people. He's like very much a vessel for whatever people are asking of him. Or like you mentioned, whatever is done to him, he, he does back yeah, to them. Yeah, you know, if you water a plant it returns with life yeah you know same thing if you feed something into a certain situation you'll grow something out of it yeah he could have just and what you feed depends on what you're growing right he could have just you know poked him slapped him in the face and he would have gotten that but that doesn't make a good compelling legend right it also doesn't give you that sense of uncertainty or fear right um i mean he is he is like like what murray was saying like you know because he doesn't display these traits fully is sort of a thing he has to learn and he's punished when he goes against them as well such as him getting mugged or him starving yeah. and then he eats those mushrooms that make him trip oh my god yeah. he never eats strange mushrooms he really does go on a <laughs> he goes on a psychedelic trip which is really interesting because you like almost immediately know what's going to happen and then he starts having all the visuals didn't his little fox friend eat the mushrooms too? Yeah, and he starts getting all fucked up. Did we talk about the little fox That's that like follows him? That's like the spirit, yet? right? Yeah. She's so cute. Or like a guardian sort of. I think the fox was sent by his mother. Yeah, I like that idea. You know, she knew that he was going on this journey and she tried to prepare him with like the protective sash and whatnot. She probably also called upon some sort of fox spirit to guide him. So with with the fo- foxes are often seen in mythology as sort of like like a, like a spirit guide sort of idea but you could also i've also seen interpretations of this where the fox could also be part of his internal monologue who's like who's right. like kind of him like uh considering his options things like that yeah i had a feeling that it felt to me more like his conscience yeah of like where he was supposed to be going his guide to like this would be like a like if you had your mom's voice in your head True. So it does fit in well. And like how when he's about to cross the river to meet the Green Knight, the fox speaks to him in a human voice. <laughs> that was great. And is basically like, uh, you're afraid, aren't you? If you have nothing to be afraid of, why are you wearing that sash? Which is supposed to protect him from getting struck down. Yes. The sash is a big thing. One thing yeah. I wanted to note was the symbolism with the giants. Yeah. Because uh, as the giants go, he wants to take a ride on them. Right. So then it's 
literally showing you he would rather tailcoat on the shoulders of giants than, be- come, than become one himself. Dang. Okay. All right, then. Whoa. Mind goblin. Quit. I mean, all, if you've also got the, uh, the aspect that giants are typically associated with nature, so you could also interpret... I've also seen interpretations where it's you know, like the giants just represent nature and you should just kind of follow it to uh, your destination sort of thing, and they're just a representation of that. But both of these interpretations are valid. Uh, I did uh, I did enjoy the weird bit where he uh, ends up at that castle um, with uh, oh, yeah. Can the, we guy, talk about the, the guy, his wife. Oh, man. <laughs> the Shinji moment. So, like, you don't get a lot of scenes like this in film, like, at all. And so <laughs> to see him sort of, like, he sort of, like, fails. Like, he, he ends up, like, you know, basically fucking a dude's wife. Or t- he wants to and, like, ends up <laughs> coming on his own fucking hand. So you just, but he also was like, he's clinging onto the sash too at that moment too. So there's got to be a lot more going on. He, he's willing to forsake his honor in order to protect himself. There you go. Sort of idea. That's a good read of yeah. it. A loss of morality here, because because he, <laughs> he, you know, he wants to bang her. Well, there's also the the idea that um, at some point they believed that uh, either like <laughs> ejaculating or. Um, like doing it where it doesn't go towards like making babies was considered a loss of vitality. And so they, they might've considered that for that moment where he was like, it wasn't intended for anything but selfishness for himself, which fits into what you've said mm-hmm. where he's just trying to protect himself. So they had a lot of different ways you could read it. Also the, I think the woman took a photo of him, like oh, the yeah. earliest yeah. version of what a, a mm-hmm. photograph would be. And then he's like, not That's while not he was me. coming, but no, yeah, but, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Weird segue. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I referred to the come scene as the Shinji moment. Cause in the, the end of Evangelion, the yeah. movie, uh, in the beginning, he sees like, it's Shinji. The main character sees Asuka. <laughs> uh, she's in like an ICU unit. And like, he lifts up her skirt and he sees Yikes. her underwear and then proceeds to masturbate and come on his own hands and he feels so disgusted afterwards because he lost his morality right there. And I, I like what you said where, where it's like it's that defeat, but also like a loss of vitality. Like because a little, little part of them die in that. Yeah, exactly. There's something that's gone wrong at that point. What have I become? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moral of the story, don't <laughs> masturbate. <laughs> oh. I'm sure it was something that they were getting at because that's that could have been a belief at that time was that, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing to masturbate. Oh, shit. It harkens back to our, our witchcraft trial, where it's like, if it ain't making a baby to sit in the seat of the church, don't do it. Right. True I that. mean, it, it's kind of, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Fuck. <laughs> We've talked about cum too much. <laughs> hey, this, this was realistic looking cum, man. Oh, uh, so a lot of a lot of this stuff. Sorry, sorry to just jump back in, but I got it. So a lot of these A two four movies and stuff, they have a lot of historical background. Right. So you're looking at you're you're not looking at things through how we interpret it today. You're looking at how they would interpret it during that time period. Yes, exactly. One thing that you mentioned uh, when we brought it up, like just talking about the movie, you said that that this is the most accessible A two four film you've ever seen. I still hold true to that statement. I do believe it is the most accessible. I don't think it's too hard to follow along with this movie. I mean, yeah, when we've talked about shit like The Lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. Comparatively, but, yeah, I could say that this is probably easier to get into. That was a bigger what-the-fuck movie, but I still followed along with it pretty well. It's so good. Yeah. It's still it's still at the top of the list for one of my favorite movies. <laughs> like, yeah, ever. It's so good. Um, this one is, uh went way up to, like, 
closer to the top of the list for me because of the the storytelling element that gets brought out in it. So like you have sort of the beginnings of it, which is like around Christmas, like or Yuletide is like kind of the the main time that they're they're doing this story. And so you kind of get this idea that they've sat around the fire or this area that they're sitting in and they're telling a Christmas story. The round table. The round table. So, you, which is a cool interpretation of the round table. It's like yeah, a half circle. I had mentioned that because I, um, whenever I pictured the round table, it was always like a solid piece of wood right. that everyone sat around the edge of. But in this case, it was like uh, a stone circle that was open in the center and also slightly open on one side so someone could enter into the circle. Right. Like how the Green Knight strolled up on his horse and just walked into the center of the circle of the table. And Dude, that shit was like, badass. Hey, what's up, guys? And want to play a game? The the costume looks phenomenal. Oh god, oh, yeah, yes. no, I, I love the Green Knight's and look. Good uh, props to the sound engineer because you could hear the tree like snapping oh, and all yeah, that. Yeah, he sounds like a fucking tree moving. This <laughs> is he, great. He's wielding an olive branch. Yes. You don't Which know, is it's important. Peace. Yeah, he was yeah. like, "Hey, I'm kind of, like, I'm not here to fight anybody," and I he also, even uh, shows it before he approaches. I also liked how the king looked to his seer to see if he was in any <gasps> present yeah, that was danger. Dope. It was a really subtle moment, but he looks over to this man with tattoos on his face, and he kind of just gives him like a yes or a no if there's any danger present. He I like thought that was closes really his eyes and like says a few words yeah, as if he's like scanning like a the area. Change. Yeah, it, it was an interesting you, moment because I think that's uh, something that was really prevalent but not exactly talked about as much at least nowadays is way back then like there is a lot of use of mm-hmm. psychic mystics in oh the yeah court, especially in royal courts i mean you think of the french court in notes they were very superstitious too mm. <laughs> well one of the people in the movie was supposedly uh, merlin but they don't really like they kind of just like they show him occasionally. I think it might have been the person that you're talking yeah, about. That's oh, yeah, that's a really high possibility that it, it was, in fact, Merlin on his court. Fun fact, his mother was an apprentice of Merlin. Oh, oh. that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, because I saw the credits. Uh, they're like, this person plays Merlin. He had no lines in the film. Yeah, <laughs> which is nuts considering no how lines. big of a character he is. Yeah, But yeah. it's interesting that that's brought up in regards to his mother because obviously like his mother is the one that summoned the Green Knight to the court. And I believe it was because she wanted her son to take the leap of faith into greatness. Yeah. So I do have to wonder, though, uh, if she was not expecting him to do what he did. I think in a way she wanted to, like, have him be how he kind of always was. And to, like... He was. He, he seemed kind of timid, honestly. Yeah. And I think, she, I think in a way she was hoping he would just, like, nick him or something. Softness is an asset. Just saying. <laughs> and so, but then he, I think he may have surprised her by just like fully taking his head off. Even surprised the rest of the court because King Arthur reminds him too before he steps down. He's like, it's just a game. Yeah. It's I think she knew that he kind of made a mistake there or else she yeah. probably wouldn't have given him the sash that right. would let him get cut Th- down. Which solidifies it more for me in my mind where she's like, oh fuck, like this did not turn out how I expected it. So take this, like this is going to protect you. But then you have this sort of moment like as he's going through it, that he clings to it because this is sort of the thing that's going to protect him. And so in a way, he's never really stepping out into the real world until that sash is removed and then he has to face the real danger. And I think that's why the ending is interpreted differently for me than it might be for like some other people who are like, no, he for sure died at the end. So it's like that's that's one of those things that goes all the way through the film. He even like goes to the point of like, wanting to get it back he removes it from the woman's waist when he sees like but then you wonder like how the hell did she get it in the first place like were they actually there like where did he end up (laughs) so there's an interpretation that the woman in there might be his mother 
Okay. Or the entire like castle and all of the people in there are like his mother like oh, manifesting. Like she conjured it or yeah. like oh thing. <laughs> Another test. Yeah, right. So he fucked his mom. No. No, his mom jacked him up. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Indirectly hey, through illusion. She conjured it. All oh right. God. <laughs> she conjured it. Ghost man. Ghost. Isn't but, that how handy. it works? But, <laughs> but, wait a second. Never mind. But the the three gifts are very like important to the story. I think Mitch knows more about like the three gifts that he has to give. The sash is one of them. And actually, it's it's actually a tale yeah. of three kiss of several kisses. Mm-hmm. The first one is a kiss on the cheek. Oh, that's right. The second one is two kisses, and then the third one is when the husband's like, "Hey, you got something for me?" Yeah. No, and he knows he's lying in this yeah. part, part in the poem. He knows that he's lying to him because he knows he's been fucking around with his wife. So in this movie, they portray it as, yes, let me kiss you. And then for a lot of people, everyone was very confused why this man was kissing Dave Patel. But I knew. <laughs> but I knew. But I, I knew the story. Because the thing is, Mitch told me before watching the movie, just like check out the history before you watch it. Just check out the right. poem. Like you could check out a 15-minute video discover- or just talking about the lore, and it will help guide you through this film more than the film itself. Uh, I, I, I also really enjoyed, um, the sort of like alternate ending that you get before, like the false ending of him, like going back in fear. Like he cowardly runs away. That last 20 minutes, dude lives out his entire life pretty much in fear. And his court gets taken over. Someone's coming in to kill him. Son dies. Like it's just the worst possible thing that could have happened. And the idea is that like, that's because he ran away because he was a coward at that point. I feel like part of it is also saying that people who get into big stations of power, a lot of times that power is built on lies. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. That's a really good point. Also, I really liked that they, they basically tied in the beginning to the end. So right. The first scene you, you have is of him in flames. Like he's sitting in the Mm. throne burning and then sort of like goes up from there and like this is your initial version of what you see as the king and so that's sort of what happens at some point or it's one of the versions that could happen in his life one of the things about that sequence near the end with like the entire future of him if he so chooses to lie is like the chick from the brothel like she has this super wholesome thing where she's like Maybe I could be your lady. Oh my god. <laughs> he basically rejects her like he says really nothing. hard. She's like oh, what could she say? Yeah, she she says that she wants to be his lady and then he's like okay and like got to go and like just goes up and goes. That's weird as fuck. <laughs> and like takes the little bell that she has it's, on her clothes. It's because she has no royalty in her blood. Right. And well, so, they even show that- her in the false ending where she has a kid and he like takes the baby from her. Yeah. And like Basically, just gives her some coins. I think I think Merlin takes the baby. Yeah, they finally give it to Merlin, and then you never see the kid. No, and then finally they bring in someone from royalty from a guess a different castle or some shit. Yeah, very and much the arranged marriage type. Yeah, and then they have a kid who later dies in battle, which that shit was hard to watch. Just like, uh, yeah, that was that was, <laughs> that was really tough. Was um, I was really convinced that that was the end. I, yeah, was me like, too. I was like, oh, fuck. I was kind of pissed. Me too. I told her, I told Justine while I was watching, I was like, I'm going to be really fucking mad if this is how it ends. That got me too. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I, I, um, I actually would, would, it would be a really interesting subversion of the original tale to have it just end like that. Right. Because then you have like, 
this is the lesson. This is what happens when you're a dishonest fuck and you don't hold true to your stuff. So then I have to, we have to talk about two things then. Do we think that he did in fact do the things he was supposed to do to become a knight? Do you think he's a knight by the end of it? And two, do you think he actually died? I think he gained his honor and gained knighthood. And then for me personally, when I first saw the movie, definitely thought his head chopped off. Like definitely thought, yeah, this is, this is where your story ends. However, I realized that before the guy chops his head off, he puts his thumb to his, to his neck and goes off with your head and goes like that. And so that's a symbolic cutting of the head off. Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to laugh about this. Your head is cut off. There you go. Run along now. That's what I thought. It's uh, the smile also. It's the smile There's also. There's the smile kind of like a, as if he's just like, I'm proud of you. You did, a, you, you did the right thing. Okay, so initially I thought his head got cut off, but after talking about it, I don't think it did. I think, like you had mentioned, it was a symbolic thing, is that in order for him to become a knight, part of him had to die, the part of him that was timid and afraid. Mm. And uh, in this case, him getting his head cut off is symbolizing that part of him no longer serving its purpose, and now he's reborn from the green as Ooh, this nice. powerful, wise brave knight like or whatever that. would you say that he is the green knight at the end of the movie mm. in a sense i mean green was all around him he had the green sash the green forest dying by the green knight it i don't know i think it would be it would make sense so he shows up with the sash the sash will protect him from death green knight goes let's get to hacking and is about to do it and then he cowers and runs away and then we get that fast forward shot of his life afterwards right now something i've noticed in this movie is particularly more like towards the beginning when he considers oh shit if i don't do something while i'm tied up out in this forest i'm going to be a corpse on the bottom of the thing i need to do something about this so he you know takes it upon himself to save himself sort of idea and then so he gets to the green knight and then that whole fast forward is him just considering what happens after if i cower and run away from right. what i've agreed to do if i don't honor my duty and i don't honor you know what i've said that i will do my agreement then what do i become after that and so then it comes to him taking off the sash saying okay wait when everything's not right let's take off the sash now i'm ready to die essentially and then it turns into you've accepted your fate which is the fate of all things, which comes back to the nature idea as well, where nature is supposed to end. And then you have like, and then it's the smile, the symbolism Murr's talking about. That's why I don't think that he dies because it's definitely alluding to the original tale as well. Right. Yeah, I felt the same way. Um, I definitely thought about the uh, symbolic cutting of his head. I also never really thought he was in danger to begin with. Uh, I think a lot of the time I felt like... Uh, the, it, of course, was a test put together by his mom in the hopes that he would get a really good story out of it and then become sort of like he go he like gets into legend. He, he becomes mythical along with all these other things that happen. Yeah. And they even portrayed this like prior in the film with the little puppet show. Yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. I liked how they showed the progression of time with this little puppet show. And you see the little like wheel turning and it turns to s different seasons. That was a really good way to show the time without it being like dragging on. Very similar to Midsommar also. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of that too. Um, do you guys have any favorite scenes? I like the forest time-lapse scene. 
Yeah, it's really good. When it does the full 360. Yeah, and yeah. you see his bones in the forest, and you turn back, and he's still there. Oh, whoa. Love that. One thing I got to mention, this is like another one of those movies where I had to immediately check out the fucking soundtrack. Right. Because the music is really well done. Um, but favorite scene, come back to me. Um, I, if it's not the like very beginning, like when King Arthur's wife sort of like gets possessed for a second <laughs> and like delivers the message that is on like the letter and like burns up. It's like that, that, or when the knight first shows up, it's like a great piece of cinematography to see him in the hallway. And it's like, he has the branch with him. And so you then see him like completely outlined and you see the branch off to the side and you don't see him quite that clear. And you hear the, like the clop of the horses as it comes in. And then you get a full view of him with the fucking sunlight, like coming in through that one opening. So it's like, this is really good. Like that whoever was, wh- whoever was the cinematographer that like got that shot exactly right. This is a good intro to a mythical person like the green Knight, And so you then have the sort of tone and setting set up for you right at the beginning of it. And then it keeps going all the way through the whole film. It's surreal. I have two Go for it. But one's really short and not that meaningful. Um, <laughs> so I'll get to that one last because it's kind of funny. But that la- those last 20 minutes, like basically basically the entire fast forward through his life. Yeah. Should he forsake you know, what he's agreed to do, which is partake in the beheading game. That's some of my favorite stuff from this film. For his sure. head just falls off, right? Yeah, at the end, he takes off the sash and his head just falls <laughs> okay. off. Okay, yeah. I thought I was like, um, I thought somebody had cut him. Like, no, it literally just fell off because he took off the sash. He took off the sash and he's already been beheaded. It's over now, gotcha. kind of idea. Um, but this, like, those, those last twenty minutes, though, some of my favorite, like, definitely some of the my, the best parts of the movie for sure. Um, and then the other scene is really dumb. But in the very beginning of the scene, there is a goose and a goat, and they fuck with each other. Yeah, they're and like, it's funny <laughs> as hell, and I want three more minutes of them just bullying each other. I feel like <laughs> that that w- that might have been a complete accident, right? Like right. just having animals on right. set yeah. fucking around with and each other. Like, it get, like the goose gets stuck in his horns yeah. for a second. It's like, rah, rah, and they start like <laughs> fighting each other. I don't know. It's silly and dumb, but I loved that. <laughs> I wonder if maybe it was real or if it was a CGI moment, and we just couldn't tell. Ooh. Ooh. It might be worth looking into. Okay. Because they, they had a real, they had a, like a goat for yeah. the witch, like a real one. I'm pretty sure they're real animals. Could dude. be, yeah. Uh, okay, I, I found my favorite scene, and it's really wholesome. It's when he asks Dave Patel's character to come sit with him and just yeah. tell him a story. And then there's an opportunity, and he hands him fucking Excalibur. Yeah, he's like, here, use my sword. And you're like, oh, fuck. I, can, I cannot, like he even says, I cannot wield this. To protect my own kingdom. I don't think a lot of the audience understood what it meant for King Arthur to offer Excalibur to a knight who has no experience that to, shit to use it a for lot. a moment. It's a really heavy moment that kind of gets overlooked. So that's a good one to bring up. It was very wholesome because he, he's techn- he's his nephew. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so fucking cute. <laughs> and God damn. Oh, also, the, the, the king has like some funny moments here and there like where he's like, Oh, yes, the seat's cold or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's old. He's like, he's obviously getting old enough where, like, he hasn't had any children. He's going to die of old age, basically. And he's like, he's a really gentle person. I like this portrayal of King Arthur in these moments because he genuinely wanted some storytelling. He loved his stories, I think. And so, in a lot of ways, this is sort of what created the Arthur, the King Arthur legends, was that his love for storytelling was to sort of exaggerate a bit 
on what the knights were doing and in a way they got brought a lot of like good honorable stories that they had while they were on the court i will say after watching this movie it made me want to see an anthology series just like about the that'd other cool. knights that'd be really just cool. to see like how they got their knighthood as well yeah because they're obviously all like important <laughs> right and there's all the famous ones you've heard from all the stories so like and they don't name any of them no so you like you actually don't know who's there so what are you guys going to rate this film uh i actually didn't really find anything wrong with it so like this might be a 10 for me honestly <laughs> also giving it a 10 i think this is a really good movie uh but i'm gonna give it a nine only because i feel like it's not as accessible to a lot of people yeah that's it's fair. definitely something that you have to know the story in order to really appreciate the movie and not a lot of people put that much effort into understanding the background for certain movies uh so it might be lost on a lot of people like it was for the audience of most of the theaters we were in um but i still think it's a really great movie so it's a nine out of ten for me i'm gonna give this like a 9.7 to a (laughs) 9.8 it's almost there it's almost there (coughs) and i think it's only because like i said you have to do a little bit of research to like fully grasp it and there were some things that were like completely lost at, uh, from me, like knowing the story. I was like kind of pissed at like certain areas. Oh, I with see. With the the castle itself, with the uh, the two couple, the couple. I was like, that's not how it goes. But I was like, I I could fucking deal with it. But other than that, I mean, the cinematography is really well done. The color cues are beautiful and vast. And then that music. Probably gonna try to find the vinyl. Because it's really well done. You know, the music did a really good job when you felt like it was appropriate for yes. every scene you're watching. I, yeah, it never felt out of place. I felt like this yeah. is, a, do you hear this fucking riff? <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be, yeah. <laughs> you hear this, this fucking exactly violin riff right here? <laughs> I like that a lot. Hell yeah. So pretty good all, all around. Yeah, I would say go watch it. Um, it, it will help immensely if you go and know the, the lore and history about King Arthur about all of his exploits and all of the uh, people he was with, it'll inform you a lot about the film. And I don't think you need to know too much yeah. other than just, just like, like look up like a, a little synopsis on yeah. the original story. And that's pretty much all. <laughs> Go to you, Wikipedia. You know. <laughs> yeah. Real, real quick, real quick Wikipedia article. Yeah. You'll be fine. Also those crowns are sick. Yeah. The crown he wears is uh, like one of the coolest ones I've seen. I like the design on that a lot. Didn't it have sort of like a halo thing around right. it? Yeah, like it, was, it wasn't on like yeah. the horizontal plane, An but it was on the halo. vertical plane. Yeah. I like that because in a lot of cases, having the halo around your head is a symbol of divinity. Right. And the royalty were presumed to be basically descendants of God. So in themselves divine. So having that on the crown, I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Seeing a little bit of history there. A little symbolism. Ah, yes. Yeah, symbolism. <laughs> All right, I'm going to walk us out. Yeah. yeah, let me grab my sword real quick. Grab your my sword. Sash. I feel like John <laughs> is a, a, a staff kind of person. <laughs> yeah. Where's my axe? Interesting. Yeah, no, he looks like a claymore wielder. Claymore? Oh, that's because you've only seen me play that in Genshin Impact, yeah, which yeah. is hilarious. If I, if, I, about your if I had my choice of weapon, though, it would either be the spear or a halberd. Fair. That would be my choices. I'd really what use do you, it. What do you guys think I would have? You'd have a, a hammer. Yeah, mm. I, definitely Warhammer or, or an mace. axe. A maul. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. All right. All right. <laughs> and Mitch has the baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. Now Mitch is the one who I would think would use a great sword or a yeah. or a, a swy hander. <laughs> yes, exactly the swy hander, the huge what would fucking thing. Um, 
I would guess probably like uh not the what am I thinking of the the curved swords the, the yeah. scimitar like some some sword Here like that I feel more an archer myself but that would be cool too an archer and a or, uh, a bow and a dagger I mean, those are daggers for sure you, you ping them with arrows till they get to you and then you whip out the scimitar uh, true Here we out. Down Either that or you use some sort of like exotic weapon it's like ah yes here's my chain sword <laughs> <laughs> that would be dope there, you know it's like here's a morning star I don't know something wild like that <laughs> a staff for spells however on the bottom fucking knife bottom that'd be dope Yo. I just you can got use a uh, daggers for spells as well I just Ooh, got a good same. idea. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go you, ahead. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't want to interrupt people, but I really want to say things. If I don't say stuff, I'll forget. I feel that things. ADHD. Yeah, Anyways. totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all we all got it in here. Um, well, some more than others. We uh, <laughs> we uh, I think it would be really cool to do an episode on like medieval torture devices and stuff like that. Oh, I'm shit. down. I didn't think about that. That would be because that's game. horrifying. Um, Let's yeah, do it. be fun. Hell yeah. All right, so we got all our weapons. <laughs> I'm going to walk us out. Uh, we are Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. Thank you for checking out this episode. And I would like to mention first our new fucking merch. Chibi, chibi. Chibi, chibi. We are in chibi form. We are anime. We are adorable. Go check it out. We're on pint glasses, mugs, fucking t-shirts. Fucking, yeah. So check that out. Uh, design is by. Do you have the name, Justine? My Halo is Prada. My Halo is Prada. My Halo is Prada. Thank you so much for the great work you did. Also Merc? check. What? He said Merc. I said work. Oh. <laughs> that would be funny if you said Merc though. Oh my <laughs> god. You murked that design. Yeah, dog. you murked it. Killed it. <laughs> uh, check out our Patreon. Where for $2 a month, you could subscribe and get access to our bonus content, as well as recommend us a piece of horror media for us to review on one of the episodes. Uh, I just released a new episode on there, talking about the giant claw, cheesy 50s horror movie in black and white. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, also, check out our social medias. We got the Instagram, the Twitters, and the Facebooks. Leave a comment. Interact with us. We like hearing from you guys. And if you can't do that, then at least give us a review on the Apple Podcast. And make sure you're hitting the subscribe or follow button, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, so you can be notified when new episodes drop. And that's all I got for y'all. Let's head out. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. Kiki. Kiki.